and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on the show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This podcast is sponsored by Syncback Pro, the professional photographer's tool to keep your images safe. How safe are your photographs? Or to put it this way, how would you feel if you permanently lost some or even all of them? The fact is, there are very real risks in storing your digital images on a hard drive, even if they're backed up to an external device. There's ransomware, hardware failure, file corruption, virus infection, and even accidental deletion or destruction. Syncback Pro makes this problem go away permanently. Syncback Pro is the professional photographer's tool to back up photographs, images, documents, and data files. Once set up, it keeps your files safe, quietly and reliably in the background. So if problems occur or disaster strikes, you'll have nothing to worry about. Your photographs will be safe. Which is why it's also the backup solution that I use myself for my own photographs. Take advantage of an exclusive 25% discount today by going to www.backup.sg. The software will never expire, meaning your photographs are safe forever. That's www.backup.sg. Give your photographs the protection they deserve. And now, on with the show. Isu Chung is a landscape photographer based in Sydney, known for his diverse range of scapes, including seascapes, cityscapes, landscapes and nightscapes. In mid-2015, he embarked on a four-month journey through Southeast Asia, armed with a small point-and-shoot camera. Little did he know that this decision would have a pre- little did he know that this decision would have a profound impact on his life. He became completely captivated by photography, immersing himself in the art and forgetting to eat at times due to his newfound obsession. Since then, his passion for photography has continued to drive him forward. He too has encountered and learned countless things he never considered previously. The journey has pushed him to his limits with long drives, sleepless nights, exhausting hikes and enduring days of being soaked to capture the perfect spot. The process of envisioning a scene, considering all the variables and persistently striving to capture the desired image has become an incredibly rewarding experience for him. The satisfaction of holding a tangible print that reflects his initial idea or interpretation is indescribable. We discuss why he takes the images he does and how his sense of adventure has driven his photography, the reason he's currently not monetizing his photography, along with a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, hey, sir. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Hi, Grant. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I've been really, it's been good to listen to your podcast throughout the past few months. Oh, thanks for listening. And thank you very much for being a part of it. As I've been chasing you for a little while, (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's great to get you on board. Let's start with a little bit about you and why you started in photography. Where did the bug bite? I guess a little bit about me. I've always been interested in exploring different locations, and that, and I was. I still am doing parkour, if if you know what that is. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, way back, I used to do like competitions. And on this one trip, I went over to Greece to try to compete in a Red Bull competition. 
And then I thought I might as well just take my camera because I was going on like a four month backpacking trip in Asia after that. So I was like, I'll just get a camera. Why not just get some touristy shots just for the memories. And what happened after that was was like a, it was like a switch that just flipped in my brain and it was just really fun. Like photography was really fun. And next thing I knew was it wasn't it, the backpacking trip turned into a photography trip. So okay. every day I'll just, I'd wake up and I'd just walk all day just along the city because Asia is just full of big cities. So I was just walking in the city, just taking whatever photos I could get and then just rinse and repeat every day for the four months. And then once I got back into Sydney, I pretty much spent like everything I had on trying on a DSLR and then just yeah. kept the habit up and I just, I would just go out in the city in Sydney and just explore the city and just try to photograph as much as I can. I'm really interested. You tend to try to get to some places that a lot of people don't go. What's that about for you? Is that about trying to find that unique shot or is it just the exploration factor? It's the, I think, adventure. The adventure aspect is a huge part of my photography I think if there's no sense of adventure I'm not really connected or I guess there's no emotional pull to that Mm -hmm. image that I get so I think so the motivation behind getting to all these places is just that sense of adventure I get by going to those places like the whole process is just it feels like an adventure so I don't know for me that feeling is really it's very satisfying and fulfilling when I finally go to these places yeah yeah cool are you doing a lot of planning or pre-planning before you get out there or is it more spontaneous some trips are spontaneous like some locations like Kosciuszko for as an example yeah the weather just you just can't predict it like it could be forecasted for low clouds but that could mean just fog or or just it could just clear up just out of nowhere but in terms of, say, like some of my astro work and star trails, then that's pretty much all planning. They're, they've all planned. I've done like trips to suss out spots, figured out like compositions a bit well beforehand, and then I come back when the conditions are right and then just execute the plan. Yeah, cool. And how long are you taking? What sort of tools are you using and how long are you taking in that sort of planning for, say, an astro trip? The actual planning in terms of just like building the composition in my head and just figuring out what I need, it doesn't take that long, but it's just waiting for the composition, like the conditions to line up. Like yeah, say right. for Star Trail at a very particular place, I need I need to go during a new moon where there's no moon. I need clear skies. And then while I'm waiting for that, I'm just constantly just thinking about the composition, just revisiting it in my head. And then when it's when the conditions finally line up, it's just time to go. Yeah. Some of my favourite images from you are the dusk till dawn shots where you basically set up, you've got the camera in one spot and you're basically time-lapsing it over. In summer, it's probably a little bit shorter, but in winter, it could be nearly a (laughs) 12-hour period. (laughs) So firstly, what's that about? What is it that I guess gave you that idea to start doing that and I guess secondly how do you actually have the patience to set up and sit there for that long (laughs) (laughs) 
I guess how I got first started in it, I remember watching a YouTube tutorial on how to shoot star trail photography. I think it was by Tony and Chelsea Northrop. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, after watching that tutorial, that got me so pumped because it just explained the whole process so well. So as soon as I watched that, I went, I dropped everything, went to the Blue Mountains and tried my hand at star trails and that turned out okay. And then I did a few more of the more star trails because I was like, hey, I can actually do this. This one time I tried to get some star trails over the city from a, a place called North Head in Manly. But the problem with that spot is they close the gates to the car park quite early. Yeah. So knowing this, I pretty much just started shooting from sunset and then shot as late as I could before they shut the gates. And then when I got back home, I tried to blend them all together and then somehow it just worked. And that kind of gave me the idea of, hang on, I could, I could shoot from sunset into night. And then I did a few more of those. I just tried tried the concept a bit more, and then eventually got to a point where I thought, "What if, like, how can I push this idea further? What if I got like a rock or a peak to be lit up from both sides? Yeah, I can do one side from sunset to night. So what if I could do it from sunset to sunrise? So I tried it in the Blue Mountains, and it, it worked. And I was like, "Okay, I've got this works. I'm gonna." Keep going with it cool so the second bit was how do you get the patience for setting up and leaving the tripod and camera set up are you doing a time lapse during that period or is it more just selective shots during night that you choose on the patient side it's uh, i guess it's one part just very motivated to just get that one shot i have in my head especially when you think about that one image for like few months and you're finally there the conditions are perfect you just want to get the shot yeah the second part is it feels really slow i think maybe the first two three hours which just seems to drag on for a while and then after that point especially in the dark and nothing much really changes i find that i just get to this mental state where time seems to speed up in a sense wow okay and you just get used to just sitting there, just watching stars or just letting the time pass. Yeah. It's this really weird state, but yeah, it's, it's definitely enjoyable sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the, the shots, I guess there are specific moments where I do want to take photos of, say like sunlight hitting this side of the peak or... Yeah when the sun goes down there's that horizon glow and i want that on the left side or the right side and then for the stars once it gets dark enough i usually just once i've nailed the settings for the stars i just let it go for as long as i can yeah so it's not just a matter of just setting it up once and just letting it do a time lapse over over a period though i know you've done a few time lapses from some of your your videos that i've seen yeah yeah, no, you definitely have to think about which exact shots that you want or what kind of light or what you want in a particular area of a frame. Otherwise, you'd just be shooting hundreds of photos for no reason, really. I don't normally get into the how of somebody this early in the podcast. It's usually about <laughs> the why. <laughs> but I'm going to come to the why that shot. What What is it that makes you want to do that? Why? I guess... 
the core of it it's about challenging myself really oh can I take that shot can I what's involved in taking that shot it's just having the challenge and just figuring out how to overcome all these little details about that challenge I find really fun and mm. satisfying and especially when it all works out and you see the image in front of you it's wow I did it what's next yeah cool do you treat each of those shots because at the end of it you might end up with a couple of hundred exposures I'd imagine and you then trying to work out what to blend and pull it all together at the end do you treat each of those individual shots that you end up with at the end as a specific project in their own right or is it part of a broader I guess project portfolio sort of project that you're thinking about they're definitely just individual projects they're just ideas I have floating my head that it uh, fun to execute and once I execute them I just look for the next challenging thing. In terms of when you started this is obviously a really deliberate and in, intentional artistic choice that you're making to get that shot of a single image where as you say you've got the light from sunset and the light from dawn plus either a star field or a star trail or whatever. Are you looking to, that's obviously an artistic choice, as I say. Yeah. When did the artistic sort of side of photography hit for you? Was most people, as you said, you took your camera with you on a backpacking, so it was kind of recording what you're seeing. When did the switch flip and say, hey, this is art, it's no longer just a recording of what I'm seeing? It was... Pretty, I guess I got, I fell in love with the process of it pretty early on. I just, I found, I found composition was a thing. So I learned, I just tried to improve my composition while I was on that backpacking trip. But what really flipped the switch was when I, just before I got back into landscape photography, I went on a trip to the Blue Mountains with some of my friends and I was just mind blown at just how I guess beautiful the Blue Mountains is I just yeah yeah, it just flicked the switch in my head where it was just yeah I was just like oh this is going to be my thing now I'm just going to shoot landscapes fantastic (laughs) yeah I guess what in terms of that creative inspiration how do you that always comes with some level of failure and setbacks because you can't just automatically go out there and start taking brilliant shots from nowhere no nobody you've got to learn the craft and that sort of thing yeah how have you handled those setbacks and failures and what are you learning from them each time you go out and you try something new or different and you come back and go, yeah, it was okay, but it didn't really work. It wasn't what you had imagined. How do you extend beyond that disappointment and into turning that into a lesson that you can action? How do I deal with it? So as I mentioned, I was I was a parkour athlete before the before photography, or still am, but not to the same extent. Sure. I think I, I, it's definitely helped me in terms of a mindset where, like, an athlete's mindset is. You just grind away at just constantly improving yourself. I think I took that part into my photography and 
I basically just, it, once I spot a composition and I figure out what kind of conditions I want for it, I just give it a go. And if it doesn't work, then I just keep going and just grinding away at it. And then when I finally do get it, it's a sense of relief. And then I can go to another shot that I can just keep trying. But in terms of just what I learn from each attempt, it's, I think, it's cool in that, because like, I'll sometimes chase, actually quite a few times, I'll chase one shot. And in those moments where I fail and I know I failed, I'm still at the spots and I'm still looking around, getting to know this, getting to know the location and the like different, I guess, more nuances of the spots. And in those moments, I usually find like, other compositions that are even better than what I was planning. Yeah. So there, there. So those little bits of inspiration keep me coming back to some spots over and over. In terms of the artistic expression, what sort of things are you aiming to express in your photography? That's a big question. <laughs> what sort of things am I aiming to? It's different now i've noticed a shift or at first it was just getting the most grand things i guess i still am in some in many aspects but i think the main objective is just to get better at photography yeah okay that's the main thing other than that it's learning more about different locations i go to i think and just seeing the very just different aspects to the landscape and what I want to show off is, I'm not sure what I want to show off, just cool things that I see along in my adventures. Okay, that's a, that, that's a totally acceptable answer, I think. Yeah, yeah, just cool things, just yeah. cool locations and really nice or different conditions that people normally wouldn't see. Yeah, just, I guess it's part of it is just sharing my experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me anyway, you're certainly doing that. Some of the shots that sort of stand out for me, like your dust of dawn things, they, they just blow my mind. I can't imagine sitting still that long because no. uh, that's just me and my ADD. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it amazes me that the cool things that you're showing, I think really show through in your work. And I think for me, that's one of the main things that I look at and I go, wow, that's just so cool to actually see all of those events in one shot. And that, I guess that time dilation or time shrinkage, if you like, from mm. you know, that could be, as, as I say, up to 12 hours in a single shot is one of the coolest things that I've, I, I have seen in photography for a while. Thank you. What's success look like for you in your photography? Well, that one is a, it basically just boils down to getting really good at photography. I don't really have any ambitions of running my own workshops or anything. Or okay. It just, I just want to just keep improving. And I know that's a, it's not a very clear goal and that's an endless chase because it's not clear, but I think that's what I enjoy about the whole photography thing. I can just constantly just find new ways to improve and yeah. i just like that process how did you kick off your learning process was there any formal learning or was it all sort of university of youtube <laughs> university of youtube that's a good one i first started off just learning off youtube and just going out to try a bunch of things i did go to tafe 
for a diploma in photography. Okay. I would recommend it if you're like looking into like portraiture or product photography or like a lot of studio based stuff because that's what yep. they teach you. And they do teach you a little bit about like color management and printing. So that's definitely interesting to learn. Yeah, yeah. But they don't really teach you landscapes. But subconsciously, I wouldn't be surprised if what I learned during that TAFE course carried over into my landscape photography. Yeah, I'd say from portrait, possibly less so in product, but even with product, you can learn a lot about how light works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Studio, very different, obviously, because you can control the light much better than you can in the real yeah. world. For the real yeah. world, you get what you get unless yeah. you go out and spend a lot of money on big studio lighting <laughs> setups that you can carry around with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know too many people that do that. Mind you, you do see people that use artificial lighting in landscape photography quite Yeah, well. they do. Yeah. But I think that understanding of light is universal regardless of which photography genre you're shooting. The ability to actually look at shade and light highlights and the shadows and the way the tonal range works yes. i think so it's a universal lesson that those sorts of courses i guess whilst i don't strictly focus on landscapes you can actually get a lot out of them i think yeah you put it very yeah that's i think you're right it's yeah especially when you're even just when you're setting up like you're choosing to put a very particular light at a certain distance or with a certain quality to it yeah and there's quite a bit of thought behind it so in that way you would just learn about light and all the properties of it what about the i guess the use of the tool itself how did you come to grips with the exposure triangle and the limitations of each bit of kit that you've got because lenses have their limitations camera bodies and sensors have their limitations did you start off with full frame when you got your DSLR or was it a crop sensor or? I had a, so in my backpacking trip, I had a point and shoot with a manual setting. That definitely helps in just learning the exposure triangle. And then my first DSLR was a crop sensor, which is good to learn on, but I quickly found the limitations of like things like the dynamic range, for instance, yeah. especially because at that point I really started getting to just learning about editing and Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop. Yeah, you learn sensor limitations pretty quickly once you start to edit. I'm interested in how you balance the desire to create something that's unique with the need to stay true to the reality of the scene. And I know some of your shots distort that reality because yeah. you know you can't see a dawn and a sunset at the same time <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> and, and, not and the stars no. in the sky i wish you could and you're <laughs> showing it but i guess how do you balance that desire to create something unique and all but also because i think one of the other factors in your work is that they are very grounded in reality there's nothing i'm not saying there's no photoshop because obviously you couldn't yes. do what you do without it but it's not something that you go oh that just the color there looks fake or he's really he's added a bunch of birds or trees or whatever it mm -hmm. is to to the elements in the photos are what's yeah. in front of you and for me that realism is actually a really strong part of that part of your work. So the, I think the rule that I pretty much never break is 
if it wasn't there, then I'm not going to have it in my chart. Because as soon as I start allowing myself to do that, pretty much knows all my planning and all my efforts and all my patience. Because if I could just just take star trails out, say, out in my backyard and just add it to whatever shot I wanted to, then that well, just... you can do that, anyone. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I could do that. Honestly, but... You can do that, yeah. Yeah, but it goes back to the whole challenge and adventure side of things where I want to be able to challenge myself and I want to be able to go on adventures and see all these cool things. So that's definitely, I guess, that's where I draw the line. If I was sat up there and a particular aspect or a part of the scene wasn't there, then I'm not going to add it in. But if it was yeah, there, yeah. then I'm going to go nuts. Yeah, cool. In terms of, you mentioned the you mentioned the need to keep this as only a part of your life as opposed to making it your job, etc. How do you see that panning out at the moment for you in terms of keeping it in that enthusiastic hobby mm. I guess, space, yeah. as opposed to moving it into something that you could make quite a bit of money out of. I think, so what was the original question is just how do I see myself? Yeah, where do you see it going in terms of uh, as a right. hobby? As you said, there's yeah. not much, I guess, direction for it in your life in terms of where it's going to go. You're enjoying getting out and taking yeah. cool shots but where do you see it going do you see it developing into something that you could monetize or is it just not interesting enough to you to sorry that's the wrong word the monetization isn't interesting mm. enough it's i think in terms of just monetization i think if i found a way to monetize my photography without compromising i guess that drive to go out and just go on adventures then yeah, if yeah. i found, somehow found a way to do that then i think i would be very interested in it but for now i haven't figured out a way to do that but that could also just be because i'm just not looking but currently as far as in the short term i guess you could say is i guess i just work my normal job have enough money to just go out on these to find these adventures and yeah, I'm yeah. pretty happy with where I am but that could just be like what do they call it when you're just comfortable but not really pushing yep. like ambitious enough I don't know it's up, that could be just a trap that I'm putting myself in but I guess we'll have to see where this goes yeah yeah okay that's cool what do you do in terms of work-life balance? How much, how much is family? How much is work? How much is photography for you at the moment? It's I actually don't really have much of a, a balance in terms of just like work-life social balance. It's more I work throughout the week, but then in the evenings it's pretty much all dedicated to photography. So I'll be just editing. I guess I do go train parkour a couple of times a week but other than that it'll be come back from work do the usual life things like cooking and eating and whatever and then i'll go straight back to editing yeah, and then right. on the weekends it's straight back to shooting or if the weather's just not right then i'll just go back to editing yeah so i think i say that photography is not a job but with the amount of hours i put into it already it's a job pretty that doesn't. Close. yeah it's pretty close <laughs> 
Yeah, well, podcasting is not a job for me either, but it's it, <laughs> if you looked at it, the amount of time I put into it, yeah, it'd be, be pretty close. <laughs> Still a lot of value, though. I'm sure there's so many listeners that listen and just get value and insight. And I hope so. Uh, I, I, if nothing else, I get a lot of value out of it. So it's, yeah, awesome. For me, it's, it, it's a great opportunity to talk to people like yourself and just hear what they've got to say and try and understand. I guess it helps me understand my work and where it fits in my life and where yeah. things that I'd like to do with what I'm doing really help. It's helped me a lot in the last couple of years in trying to structure that in the mind. And that to me is one of the, one of the biggest benefits. So whether anyone else gets anything like that out of it, great. I'm over the moon if they do, but I'm getting a lot out of it. So I'll keep doing it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> you talked a bit about the Blue Mountains being a passion area. Is that a place that just keeps calling you back or are there others that you're always drawn to? I know Blue Mountains, there's a couple of waterfalls and a couple of spots that I've seen you, you've hit up quite a few times in your yeah. portfolio. Is that one of the places that you just keep getting drawn back to? Yeah. Yeah, the Blue Mountains is... I guess it's just where I grew up photographically and it's just a place where I just constantly find new inspiration or just new spots to explore. And like I went to New Zealand in March yep. for, for about three weeks and it was, it was, the landscapes are like insane, just mind blowing. But when I got back home and I went back to the Blue Mountains, I just realized how good the Blue Mountains are. Yeah, it's, okay. It's not, New Zealand's is definitely world class, but I would say Blue Mountains is also quite up there. Yeah. Just yeah. in terms of, yeah, just how nice it is. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, not, in saying that, I haven't been to New Zealand South Island. I've only been to the North Island. Yeah. And most of those trips have been for work. So they've not really been photographic mm. trips unfortunately planning to get over there at some point but yeah. so i can't do a base comparison i've been to the rockies in canada banff and all that sort of thing oh, I'm, I'm sure that's pretty comparable yeah and yeah for as you say yeah they haven't got the height or those dramatic peaks but there's yeah. still i think there's still a drama in the landscape that yeah. is undeniable and wouldn't be a world heritage area mm. if there wasn't something about it that made it valuable to people. Yeah. And so from my perspective, I agree. It's definitely one of my favourite spots to, to get to. But not the least because it's not that far from home. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just a quick drive over and yeah. you're there. Yeah. In terms of that nexus, I guess, between where you shoot, how you shoot and what you shoot, how does that play into your work? So the, does the place influence the style of shooting and therefore that influences also back to where you repeatedly go? Or is it more, I like this style of shooting, so therefore, and I like shooting these subjects, so therefore I go there. Which, is it, is it the place or the style that sort of drives, drives mm. the choices? It's definitely the place that drives the choices to say visit there multiple times, but 
in saying that I'm very aware that 99% of my work is on the super wide angle lens. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's the place first and then I try to find a composition that works with a wide angle lens. Yes, I think that's how it, yeah, that's how it usually plays out. Okay. What's your most memorable experience when you've been out shooting? (laughs) Most memorable? I guess the scary ones are the most memorable, right? Yeah, sure. (laughs) I think one of them was, I was in the Warren Bungles, I think about Mm -hmm. two years ago in summer. I did post a shot of that moment. There was a storm that came over and I pretty much just went, I went on a very particular day when there was no forecast for storms. So I thought I was safe. But then by the time I got over to the peaks, I could see a little bit of heavy cloud. And then eventually those heavy clouds turned heavier and the ambient light dimmed more and more. And then I checked the radar radar, and there's a storm. So I just heading straight to where I am. And at this point, I'm thinking it's going to be like an hour to two hours to walk back. So I was pretty much stuck with this massive storm. So heading towards me. So I just sat there and shot it. But after my experiences shooting some storms in Sydney, I knew I knew what the different stages of the storm were. It was like, like this, like you get the big shelf cloud, and then there's a bit of a calm moment, and then once it hits, it really hits. And so once I shot it, I I knew that big hit was going to come. So I just frantically just ran down as far as I could. Luckily, I found this like small little rock overhang yep. where I could take shelter. But yeah, once it hit, it was just chaos for a few minutes, just wind everywhere, rain, like branches breaking off. Yeah, that was scary. That sounds pretty hairy. How did you just get out of it? Did you just hang out in the in, under the rock shelf until it had all dissipated or? Yeah, yeah I just I just waited it out. Luckily it passed. It didn't very take very long to pass. It was, yeah, yeah. It was probably only like 20 minutes, but yeah, I just waited it out. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that shot. Yeah, it's definitely a memorable shot. <laughs> I look back on it fondly, though. I would, I'll definitely laugh every time I look back. Would you repeat it? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the Warren Bungles, it's a fantastic area and it's got some incredible features in it. But, yeah, I think if you... It's a fairly long way from the yeah. peaks down to where any of the car parks are or anything. You're talking about at least an hour and a half, possibly a two-hour hike to, yeah. to get to anywhere where you can actually take some worthwhile photos. You can take worthwhile photos from the car park if you like. But, you know, yeah, the skies are definitely that? dark enough there, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, being that far from where you can get into a car and drive into town yeah. and get safe. It's it's definitely going to be a fairly hair-raising experience. Yeah. Another one was, this is actually how I broke my first camera. Okay. I was shooting on top of a waterfall, I think, in Kangaroo Valley. It wasn't a very big one. It was like maybe 10 metres. And at this stage, I wasn't quite as experienced as I am now. I just maneuver, physically just maneuvering around it in a natural landscape. Coming from a parkour background, I was pretty confident in my ability to just maneuver around. But that turned out to be a downfall because as I was shooting, I took a step back and I remember stepping on this leaf that looked fine and then just my feet just went. 
yeah. from under me. So, so I fall down, I'm sliding on my butt towards the edge of this drop. And the whole time I'm thinking, crap, I'm going to fall off this waterfall. And I slid far enough to the point where in the back of my head, I was looking for spots that would be safest to land. Wow. Because I thought I was going to go off. I was like, where is the safest? Where is the place that's least likely to kill myself, basically? Yeah. And luckily, just before that, I stopped at the edge, but my camera just kept going and what went down. Did you get it back? Yeah, I climbed down and then got it back, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was gone. It was definitely gone. Was it insured? No, unfortunately, no. Oh, I wasn't yeah. smart enough to insure it at that time. <laughs> Always insure your gear. Yeah, lesson learned. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Speaking about lessons learned, what have you learned about the world through photography? A lot. I learned what natural places are like. I think before photography, I enjoyed pretty scenes and natural yeah. landscapes as like a tourist, but I really learned what it's like to be in some natural spots. Even just like moving in a natural environment is very different to just urban life. Yeah. You, you move differently. There's the wind, like there's all these conditions that just hit you harder. It's yeah, you just, you feel small and powerless and yeah, just things just happen because of, I guess the laws of physical laws of the universe really. And they just happen as a cause and effect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember I was waterfall chasing down in the kangaroo Valley and I, this particular one, you had to go quite off track. Yeah, this particular one you had to go quite off track for it. And I remember, so it wasn't really, there was no path there, but I remember getting to the bottom of this one waterfall. And then I, just, I had this moment where I realized that the universe is just chaos. Yeah, yeah. What I'm seeing in front of me with the waterfall and just rocks and trees just falling everywhere. And in my head, that was like a metaphor for the universe and just things just happen. Mm. There's no, yeah, there's only just, a few select physical laws that apply everything else just random pretty random yeah, yeah. do you prefer getting out and taking photos on your own or do you prefer to go out with other people i definitely like going by myself because i find i could i can focus a little bit more i think if i go with other people in the back of my head i am thinking about them at times just talking to them or making sure they're all right or i'm just considering them whereas if i'm by myself i've just mm. consider solely on just my photography but that said there are some places where i definitely wouldn't want to be by myself say kosciuszko even yeah. in spring or autumn where you're just you're safer in numbers and i think if i was by myself in those places i'd be more distracted about staying alive than actually yeah the weather up there can just change in a heartbeat yeah. Yeah. yeah so in that regard i would be yeah i definitely want other people with me yeah no. fair enough what does your process look like in the field what are you looking for what are you thinking about when you're starting out in a shoot you've parked up you've hiked to where you want to be and you've started to 
look for the elements that are going to make up your composition? What are you looking for? What are you thinking about? The first thing is I just look around and figure out my main subjects. And from that, then I can start looking for foreground, especially because I use the wide angle lens so much. I like incorporating foreground. Yeah, once I've found a main subject, I pretty much spend most of the time just looking for foreground, really. Just trying different compositions, look at a lock range. Oh, what if, I wonder what's over there, past mm. this lock range. It's mostly just getting to know that immediate spot and just looking around for foreground. Yeah. And then once I've found that foreground and that composition, then it's for me, it's a matter of waiting for the light to, I guess, to what I think is the best for that day. Yeah. Because I could always come back in better conditions, but yeah, I just wait out the light. So in a way it is still calculated in a, it, it's still a calculated approach in that I find the shot and then just wait for the light to come to me. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like, whereas if I had to just react to the light and find the composition right there and then I think I'd be stuck. Yeah. What do you do when the light fails and you get skunked by horizon cloud or something like that? You don't get the color in the sky. How do you deal with that disappointment? Are you to say, all right, I'll come back again another day, or is it? Does it sting a bit? Oh, it always stings. <laughs> it's not hiding from the sting. I think yeah, when those moments happen, I've already accepted that I'm going to come back come yeah, another right. time. So I just use that moment to just explore the area a little bit more in case I find an even better composition. Uh -huh. But that's it. Lately, recently, I got a 100 to 400 millimeter, millimeter lens, super telephoto. Yeah, and I'm finding in those moments I can just bring out the super, like the telly, and just because there's always going to be small little snippets of gold that you can shoot. Yeah, and I'm finding that with the telly I can just shoot even if the weather's not ideal for a wide-angle lens. Yeah, no. it's definitely because I haven't really got much practice with the lens. I'm still very much in the learning curve, but yeah, I'm quite excited to see where it goes. Yeah, cool. So you've got the shots, you've got home. Are you straight onto the computer and then to edit or do you take your time and let them marinate for a while? I know. I've got shots months ago that I just, I've looked at from the back of the camera, but I haven't even imported them into the catalog. Wow. I do that just to back them up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah. if the card does fail or the camera gets pinched or whatever i don't lose <laughs> yeah i probably should back him back my photos up more often at least uh, but in terms of when to like when i start editing them i just edit them i edit a photo once i feel like once i just feel like editing it i find that in that process i look at it a little bit more objectively and it forces me to remember what it was like being in that moment without as much subjectivity i guess you could say yeah, yeah. Are you doing much in the way of printing? You mentioned learning a bit of color management and printing techniques at, at TAFE. Do you do any printing yourself or do you use services at all to, to print your work? I don't have a printer because that's a whole nother field where you can lose yourself into because it's just. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's so much that goes into printing. So I use other 
like professional labs in my way. I used to print more, bef- but I'm not, I'm not really sure why it stopped. Probably because it's so expensive, but... Yeah, it's yeah. not a cheap exercise if you print a lot. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I would definitely like to print some of the more memorable shots. What are you? What sort of things are you talking to your printer about when getting an image ready for print? Usually it just... Can you, for me, it's not very technical. It's just, oh, uh, can you, I usually just do a really small test print and it usually looks okay because I've got a printer down at Waverly and he's usually good. Mm-hmm. I've always just been happy with the work he does. Yep. So I just trust him to do whatever he needs to do. And then once I see a small little test print and I like it, I just go, yeah, okay, let's print it big. What do you do when you hit a creative wall and how do you get around it and, are there any strategies you use to stay inspired and engaged? Creative wall as in you find yourself struggling to improve or you find yourself... No, you could of... be struggling to improve or you just go, oh, I don't feel like going out and shooting and it's just, uh, you get those times where it's just, oh, I just don't feel it. <laughs> or don't you get this? <laughs> no, I don't really find myself like running out of motivation, Okay. say. I always want to just create better work yeah but i do find myself in situations where i feel like i'm not progressing and in those moments i go i did buy like quite a few tutorials and i do go back and just rewatch them to see if i've missed anything to see yeah, if i right. could and or other times i just take a step back and come back in a day or two and then just keep going yeah cool cool what do you see as the biggest challenge facing photography right now? And where do you see photography going in the future? The biggest challenge right now? It has to be AI, I don't know. It's definitely a hot topic. <laughs> it's always getting better. It's constantly getting better. And many non-photographers already have a hard time distinguishing between a real photo and a AI photo but in terms of the future I think once everyone gets used to AI I think in my opinion I think when things get mass produced and other things get handmade yep and we value handmade things I think in a way photography will be like that and that people will just value I guess real work compared to AI so I think the more realistic a photo is in terms of, I guess, what we experience and not the super saturated, dramatic ones, mm. but the more realistic, quiet ones, I think they're going to be the most popular. Yeah. I hope you're right. I Yeah, I don't know. I, I do think the commercial arena is probably where the biggest threat is, even, yeah. even down to the modelling uh, industry where models are being photographed. I think, yes, there will still be a place for that authenticity of uh, and the reality of that, but the commercial side of things, I think, will simply, for cost reasons, drive away from that. It'll be, yeah. a, it'll be a zero-sum game for somebody to go out and hire a photographer and a, a model and if it's fashion or a, a product shoot that they want to do when they can go to a computer and type in a few words and hone that and then give that to a, a graphic designer who can hone it and perfect yeah. it for 
exactly what they want for the campaign. Um, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think commercially it just makes more sense, right, to just go I, that route. I, I just know what marketing firms, I know what companies are like. Doesn't matter. They don't have to be yeah. a marketing firm because I think even the marketing firms are probably look, looking down the, the barrel of a, a, a bit of a shake-up in, in that regard as well because... It'll be really down to how clever the marketing guy in mm. an organisation is going to be yeah. around using the tools themselves or whether they're going to pay to outsource that. And, yeah, okay, there might be a little market in people being able to cleverly use prompts and whatever, but mm. I think the more interesting thing for me is how people will distinguish journalistic images yeah when you can type in say create an image of donald trump being arrested in new york somebody did yeah. <laughs> a month or so ago and it generates an image and then they post it and people go oh my god trump's been arrested when he hasn't or whatever yeah that is a scary future we're looking at because it's just yeah. going to get more so the real issue there will be reportage and what is yeah. true and i think the risks there are obviously that People will use it for their own aims to generate content that, you know, isn't mm. real. And that's a real risk if you can't distinguish what's real and what's not. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Where do you see the future of photography going, though? I think it'll just, I'm not sure. It's, I think there's still going to be a, I guess you could say, the art section of it where people just do it because of the art. Yeah, I think um, I, I I won't stop going out into yeah. the you know, into the field and taking nature shots because I enjoy doing it. Yeah, and exactly. For me, for me, that's what it's largely about is the enjoyment of getting out there and the yeah. experience. Yeah, I think less that's always so, going to be a thing. Less so the images. The images that I, I get out of the place, I'm wanting to record them and I'm, I'm, and I'm wanting to take them for my own creativity but the experience is actually what it's really all about i don't think for me there's nothing better than standing knee deep in a wave <laughs> on a rock shelf before the sun's come up and you're there on your own and there's yeah. not many people around yeah it's definitely a good feeling but other than that other than i guess artistic pursuits i think it'll be a real challenge like you were saying with the commercial and product photographers that's, yeah. I think that's definitely going to be a challenge for those guys. What's social media to you in terms of your sort of profile as a photographer? It used to be a very big thing for me. I was chasing likes and followers as well. Yeah, uh, everybody does. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, I think I did hit that point where I reached 10,000 followers, but you get that K after the 10K. Yeah. At that point, it it mattered a little bit less and then that's continued on now where i'm spending like very little time on social media but when i do go on it just to just see what new work people like everyone's been like producing or just making some comments or just replying to some messages but other than that i'm not really spending that much time on social media yeah interesting What's your favourite thing about being a photographer? Oh, it's uh, it's really fun. Uh, just being outside, just chasing, being on these on these adventures. I just really enjoy the process. 
What's your least favourite thing? Oh. <laughs> Waking up early, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I like my sleep, but photography goes against that. Yeah, definitely. Landscape photography anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you say to somebody that's just starting out and wanting to get into landscape photography? What, what tips would you give them? I would say don't spend so much on the gear because you'll figure out what gear you really want to shoot and what that kind of what style you really want to shoot. I think most important thing is setting your your fundamentals down. So just understanding the theoretical side of photography through practice. So I guess just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and then eventually you get to a point where you'll know what gear you need. You'll know. So in that process, you'll also learn like about all sorts of locations and different spots and like what conditions mean. Yep. Yeah, I think main focus should be just absorbing as much knowledge as possible and you only get that through just practice and experience. That's great advice. Who do you think I should be talking to in upcoming episodes? Matty Finn, Matt Finn. Yep. I think he'd be really fun to listen to because he just goes on these crazy canyoning yeah. trips. And just chasing waterfalls like no one else. I think Will Leeds could be also a good one. It'd be cool to hear some of his stories about storm photography. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you know Daniel T? Daniel, I think his name was Daniel T. Gum. Can't say I've come across his work yet. Okay, he's an astrophotographer just based in New South Wales. Yeah, it does really nice just astro work. And I think it'd be, I'd find it interesting to just hear about his process. Nice, nice, yeah. Thanks for that. I've got one more question for you. And for many listeners, it's the most important one. Oh, it's like coming. Pineapple on pizza. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind pineapple on pizza. I'm pretty pretty open with trying all sorts of different foods. I'm not really stuck in one, one method of doing pizza. Excellent. Thank you for that. Been absolutely brilliant to have a chat to you today, mate. Yeah, likewise. Uh, where can people find your work? Usually just through my Instagram. Don't go to my website until I update it because I haven't <laughs> updated in a while. But Instagram, Chungi underscore photos. Cool. All right. Thanks again, mate. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. If you want to buy my prints or book a workshop, you can also find those at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon.